The Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and Brett King. It's the Boys of Tech, it's episode 80, and it's Monday the 23rd of August 2010. Welcome along everyone, my name is Edwin Herman, my co-host is Brett King who joins me over Skype, welcome along. Howdy. Brett went to book fair yesterday, picked up not just a couple of books but also a vinyl. Ah, surprising. I went to that book fair on Saturday. I'm shocked that there were still books left over for Sunday. Well, actually, you know, I I couldn't get to it on Saturday, and hence why I went yesterday on Sunday. But it, the, Sunday appears to be the the day to go. Everything was half price, and anything unmarked was a dollar. Wow, that's half price for the unmarked too. Because when I went on Saturday, they were only two dollars. Oh right, unmarked two dollars and right. Okay, I see. Yeah, <laughs> ah, there you go. And I put, uh, you know, I went to this book fair with the intention to have a look at the trashy adventure section to see if there was anything that would perk my interest and nothing did but i did end up buying one book not a very big book one of a a penguin book in fact one that you might like it's a penguin book of many great pieces of good classic literature done through twitter it's called twitter <laughs> really, really? Yep. Yep, it's called Twitterature. And if you hang on a sec, I will grab the book and I'll quote you a bit. Yeah, go for it. Okay, here's uh, the first four tweets of Hamlet by William Shakespeare. My royal father gone and nobody seems to care. Mum says stop wearing black. Stop trying to control me. I won't conform. I wish my skin would just melt. I'm too sad to notice that Ophelia is so sexy and fine. And Mother also looks rather fair despite all her struggles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how, much, how much did you pay for this book? $2. $2. It's been quite funny. Though, yes, a lot of swearing apparently on Twitterature. <laughs> well, and it is yeah. very funny seeing to be or not to be written in text speech. Yeah, well, hey, yeah now that's a point. Now that, that would contract down quite well, I'd imagine. <laughs> it does. All right, enough of book fairs. We'll get on with the show. There's not a lot happening this week though, is there, Brett? No. God, quiet week. It was a quiet week. The, the weirdest thing though, the weirdest thing this week, to me, was a story that broke late, late last week, in fact, about Julian Assange, who runs WikiLeaks, the guy behind WikiLeaks. We all know what WikiLeaks is about. Mm-hmm. And first, you know, I saw a story, some story about apparently him being up for uh, rape, I think, a rape charge. Yeah, uh, having a, a warrant. warrant. Yeah, a, yeah, a warrant issued for his arrest on charges of rape in Sweden. Yeah, and when, when I saw that, I thought, oh, okay, well, maybe he's a bit of a, a dodgy guy, but, you know. I thought, well. I well, I thought that seems awfully convenient. Yeah, see, I didn't, I didn't make that link just as, as quickly as you did. Yeah, and I think you're on the right track because later in the week there was apparently it, it turns out that he's not really up for for a rape charges anymore. Is that right? 
Yeah, they've cancelled the arrest warrant. He is no longer wanted on suspicion of rape. Now, people are saying that this, the, the allegations to start with about, about the rape had come out of the US. Mm. And and if that's you know I guess what we, we what we're saying really is <laughs> that case, it's rather you. convenient, isn't it? Because we know that in the states the the powers that be are, are rather uh, annoyed, unimpressed. Yes, unimpressed. <laughs> yes, exactly, unimpressed and annoyed about you know his WikiLeaks and the fact that a whole bunch of Afghan war files are being published on WikiLeaks. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't surprise me if they tried to. Uh, how do you oh, call it? Get him to uh, get him out of their way a little bit, if you know what I mean. Yeah, not surprising at all, especially with you know the WikiLeaks intention to make public further documents from the Afghan War Diaries, as it's being called. I just had a, a thought just now. Actually, could if they wanted to, couldn't the U.S. government allege that he'd committed a crime and they want him deported? They want him deported to the U.S. and uh, you know with the. With yeah, the but the only way they could do that is if he had committed yes. a crime in the US, wouldn't it be? Yeah, but he, they can just say he has. But when was the last time he was in the US? Ah, well, that, well okay, they'd have to do their homework. He's been quite careful with where and when he goes places. Well, that's yeah, he, that's true. He has actually said that he uh, he sort of sticks to, to Sweden most of the time because mm. it's safe. And <laughs> this particular story has kind of burnt that bridge that they might have had for themselves if they could have dredged up something to, you know, accuse him of from some time he was in the US. If they did it now, people are really going to smell something fishy. So do we actually even know if this is something fishy or just a, uh, I don't know, some other innocent explanation? I mean, is, is, do you think the, the US government or US military is behind this in some way? Who knows? Who knows? We don't have the the full story of any of this, but something does smell very fishy for them to have issued a warrant because of him being suspected of this crime and then retracting it. So so, so was there actually a warrant issued? That's the bit I was never clear on. There, there was a warrant issued? Yeah, it looks like the the warrant was issued but was then cancelled. But you see that this this was in Sweden. Yeah. It's odd. The whole the thing, whole thing is just sells, bizarre. Yeah, no, I know. It's like we're missing. Very fishy. In fact, by the time this show goes live today, later today, it, there's probably going to be more developments, and we'll find out more. In fact, during the course of the week, as you're listening to this, you, you'll probably have found out more as things develop. Because I think right now we've got the initial bubble of the story, and there's a whole heap of missing pieces from the jigsaw. This is completely yep. bizarre. And we'll have to keep an eye on it. And if more comes to light, we'll have to discuss it. Absolutely. I think there's definitely a good conversation that goes around that story. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, once, of course, it, it gets reported fully because right now it's it's very murky. It is. And it, it's full of potential for conspiracy theories. I hope it turns out not to be the case, but uh, you know, as you say, so do I, because it would be a, it would be a big public relations hit to WikiLeaks. Oh yeah, and yeah. of massive benefit to the WikiLeaks detractors. Oh, that's for sure. Uh, that'd be a big one up to them. Yeah, and, and a big zero to to WikiLeaks, which is, but the, is not the a good timing thing. of it. Is just too suspicious. Oh yeah, I agree. You have to look at this very suspiciously at the moment. Not to uh, say that he couldn't do something wrong. No, but the, yeah, the timing but, is yeah, very suspicious. Exactly, and the fact that it got you know repealed was was mm, kind of bizarre. Yeah, the fact that it got <laughs> that it got <laughs> repealed so quickly. Yeah, so something is very odd. So watch this space because something very interesting, I'm sure, is going to happen out of this. Now, 
Apple, speaking of rumours, apparently Apple may eventually launch an HDTV, which apparently hooks into, I think, an iTunes, the iTunes content uh, and stuff will be streamed across the internet. And we're talking about a physical TV here. Yeah, I, I blow a raspberry to that. Yeah, you don't reckon? Yeah. I don't think so. There have been plenty of quotes from Steve Jobs saying that Apple TV is a, is a hobby. It's not something they'd go down. And there are so many hurdles over Apple building an HDTV in and of itself and entering the television set marketplace. But it's kind of it kind of matches their portfolio, doesn't it? I mean, that's the last thing. You, that, that's basically the last piece of the jigsaw. You have the HDTV and Apple's kind of in your digital entertainment life. Mm, no, I don't. I don't really see it. Their entry with the the Apple TV set top box is where most people think that Apple would develop something like you know go down that line, something that would tie into people's regular televisions, because you know there is a huge market of HD TV sets out there, and for it to really pay its way in there. It didn't have to come up with something super spectacular. And we're talking revolutionary, not iPad revolutionary, but actual revolutionary to make people ditch their HDTVs, ditch their multi-thousand dollar 3D HDTVs, which they've just purchased this year, to get an Apple-branded HDTV, which only has limited inbuilt memory and connects via streaming to download HD, well, to stream, not download, to stream HD quality content from iTunes. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it does seem like a big hurdle, doesn't it? It, it, it seems like a massive hurdle. Apple but, would have to, you know, for this to become a viable uh, medium, Apple would have to do some major negotiating with ISPs to get themselves set so that people could stream HD TV content because think of the amount of time the average person spends watching television. I'd say quite a lot. Yeah. So and I mean, then imagine the bandwidth. Say yeah, all right. of that time and all of that TV content is streamed over that person's internet connection. That would clog the tubes. Exactly. The <laughs> We'd tubes. have to build some bigger tubes. <laughs> bigger tubes. <laughs> to get all of that HD TV streaming content going on. Well, this prediction was uh, by Gene Munster, apparently, and he's, he, he reckons that this is going to happen. It's going to be called ITV. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, this is the, the same person who said last year that he expected Apple to design a internet-connected television. Oh, so he said this already? Yeah, yeah. And it never happened. He's already made this claim. He made it last February. Well, if you say uh, it long it enough, eventually it may, co- <laughs> may come true. Indeed. Maybe that's indeed. what he's doing. If he says it every six months, then at some point in time, sometime, maybe in this universe, maybe in a parallel universe, he might be true. <laughs> but another industry analyst strongly disagrees that Apple would enter the HDTV market. Look, I actually have so, to agree. I, I, I'm a bit doubtful because, as you said, there's already an established market of HDTV hardware. Yeah. Really, if anything, Apple would just further develop a, 
a sort of a set-top box type thing. Exactly, something to, to, hook, in. to yeah. hook into exactly. the display unit. That 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 yeah. Why would you go and completely… A bespoke uh, solution, yeah. yeah. But then it would follow along with, you know, that iPod <laughs> uh, Apple roadmap image that I sent to you last oh, week. Oh, yes. Now, yeah. yeah. With the iPod <laughs> Touch moving to the iPad, moving to the iBoard. That could be the HDTV version. Yeah, it Just could, yeah. An iPad, the, the iPod Maxi Maxi Maxi, and then the, the <laughs> iPod Matt, the iMat. The iMat, yeah. <laughs> if, if you have no idea what we're talking about, Google it. Google iBoard and iMat, and you'll find a, an interesting little image that, that'll make it chuckle. It's very, very funny. Yeah, but yeah, as, as I said to begin with, Steve Jobs himself has said that Apple TV is really more of a hobby of Apple's. It's not one of its, as we've seen from its development, it's not one of its main lines. No, we can see that. But I, you know, I, I think they say that because they don't want you to expect too much uh, oh, too, too soon. But that's not oh, to say definitely. that one day they, they may well... Oh, it's not to say that one day they won't go there and because there's been other rumors of, you know, updates and improvements to Apple TV. But yeah, most people expect it to be that way that Apple gets in on the streaming media market, not yeah. by developing an entire HDTV Yeah, themselves. I'd have to go along with that as well, actually. Because the logistics around it are just ridiculous. Because I, I, for one, do not want to have to pay the bandwidth if I'm going to watch television streamed Ooh, ouch, HD ouch. from yeah, the States. Would... <laughs> I might get more channels. Well, I won't even get channels. I might get more content, but the, yeah, the, the bandwidth costs are going to be annoying. Oh, I know. When you're wanting to watch television is when everybody else in the country wants to watch exactly. television. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. More <laughs> importantly, if this it, turned out to be true and went mainstream, as you say, the... It'll clog the tubes, and they'd have to. Uh, they'd have to put it more. It would bring the intertubes to a crawl. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> gridlock, gridlock on the internet. <laughs> All right, Brett. Apparently, the five billionth device is about to plug into the internet any day now. Any day this week, it's likely to happen. The five billionth device on the internet. You know, these sorts of statistics really make me wonder who in the world counts these things. Yeah, I, I wonder too. No one's come around and, and counted the, my iMac. Is there iMac. a company whose entire purpose is to just count the, the number of internet devices that have been manufactured in the world? you got to wonder. <laughs> you do, you do. Surely they can't. You know, it's a little bit like Google just recently, in fact, came out with an estimate for the number of books that exists in the world. And it was very accurate. It's it right down to the... To the last you know, book, if you like, there was a very accurate number. It was, I think, it was a seven, eight-digit number. And then there were stories that came out straight after that saying, "How can that ever possibly write? It's, they're probably out by about 99 percent." Yeah, because are, are they counting the are they counting the vanity prints of books? You know, well, we, that's, that's I, one of the, that's I go some, to a vanity publisher and get my book published. <laughs> the home done jobs, exactly. Uh, the, all the, of the ones. All of the books have been printed from the very beginning of printing. Well, exactly. That's, what constitutes know, a book? Yeah, I know. What constitutes a book was, was one of the questions. But coming yeah. back to this story, this is kind of, I have the same sort of thing. I mean, it's like, well, this. how do they know it's anywhere near 5 billion? Okay, someone's done some math, some ca- calculations, and that's what the figure came out. But I'm sure, you know, someone else could do a similar calculation and get three, three and a half billion, and someone else might get 7 billion. So I, I think this is kind of meaningless. But Yeah, yeah. I thought it was interesting because I was um, reading one of the, the comments on one of the stories stories about this one and they were talking about well if they're if they're directly internet connected internet enabled devices there aren't that many 
IP for you know IPv4 IP addresses available for them. So you're saying that with IPv4, there's less than five billion available addresses anyway. Yeah, there's less than five billion possible numbers that you could have. So in other words, a lot of these, you know. <laughs> almost a billion of these devices would not actually be directly connected to the internet. They would be connected through some other gateway using local addresses. Yeah, they must be on, on private addresses. <laughs> yeah, on private addresses. Yeah. But then how do you count those ones? Yeah, well, well I think, you know, unless they've look, got something, it's done by sales. Unless they've got it's some way sales. to track MAC addresses. Maybe no, that's no, what they're I doing think, it by. Well, it could be, or either that, or it's done by sales, and they know roughly how long... The, li- the average lifetime of any given device, it's, it'll be different for different devices, but say an Apple Perfect. Mac will be online for an average of, say, seven years, and a, mm. a Ricoh printer will be you know online for an average of, I don't know, five years or whatever. Must- oh, well, I'd say my well, uncle's bloke that completely out of the water, seeing as he went through, what was it, six ADSL modems within the space of two weeks. Well, that was- <laughs> that's rather extreme. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyway, just wait till fridges and toasters and stuff plug into the internet. Then that'll blow out to 50 billion. <laughs> oh, well, we already have cars and everything else connecting to them, <laughs> like we talked about last week. Oh, yeah. Well, not really to the internet. <laughs> oh, that leads me to an interesting side story that I, I was talking to somebody I know today, in fact, about wireless tire pressure sensors because he's a mechanic. And he was talking about the vehicles that he works on that also have these higher pressure monitors and that the the inbuilt system, if you've got two of these vehicles parked next to each other, they can tell how the pressure of the tires in the car next to them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So you know what you 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 could really screw someone over and that is park next to them with the same car, let down your own tires, make sure you have a, a pump again, yeah, and then their car won't start because it'll say, you know, you've got no tire pressure, but really it's your car. <laughs> oh, that'd be funny. <laughs> yeah. And then all you got to do is wait for them to disappear again to look or, for help. And you then, know, you just, if you've got the same sort of car, you just switch two of your wheels around. Yeah. That they, have, they have your tire and you've got their tire. So when they're, look, when they're parked, it looks like they're fine. But when you drive away, you've got one of their tires, which is full, and they've got one of your tires, which is empty. (laughs) And they thought their tires were full. You could have some fun with that. You could indeed. But no, this this five billion thing, I I think, is somewhat meaningless. But here's what I really want to know. Is, are there going to be ads with flashing stars saying you're the five billionth device and you win something? <laughs> of course there will. Because, you know, it, I've been the hundredth. You know, since hundred- that number has been announced, I would say there is already an ad out there saying that you are the six billionth. Yeah, probably. Because, look, I'll tell you what, I've been the hundred millionth visitor to many websites before. I have. have and you yet as well? I have never clicked to win a prize. <laughs> isn't, it, isn't it funny? Because I think statistically, most people according to the ads, have been the 100 millionth visitor to a website. I don't know how that works out in that. I'm sure that's not possible. <laughs> I would say it is statistically improbable. <laughs> uh, you got to wonder. Yes. All right, Brett, that concludes the international stories. As I said, a bit of a quiet week out there on the wires, but after the break, I do want to cover one story here in New Zealand, a competition on search engine optimization. So don't go away. We'll cover that right after this. Okay, welcome back everyone. Now, New Zealand's about to have its very first search engine optimization competition. It's organized by Adam Hutchinson. 
and is going to kick off very soon and run for the next few months. Now, we invited Adam to the show. Unfortunately, he couldn't make it, but I did catch up with him earlier in the week and had a little chat to him about the competition. So, Adam, tell us what the SEO challenge is in a nutshell. Well, the New Zealand Search Engine Optimization Challenge is a competition for all New Zealand-based SEOs that have just under three months to try and rank number one for a random keyword phrase uh, that's going to be announced at the end of the month. The deadline's the, the 28th of November at, at 5pm, so whoever's ranking number one, provided they've, they've um, followed the rules, will be the winner of the competition. Right, sounds like a great idea and a lot of fun as well. So what, what actually gave rise to the idea of a search engine optimization competition? I guess the idea behind the competition was to raise awareness of the practice of SEO amongst the wider community. There's a lot of businesses out there that, that don't actually understand that they can be ranking higher for you know a keyword phrase that's that's relevant to their business. You know, obviously there's this worldwide trend where where people are turning to the likes of Google to search for for answers, whereas previously it was uh, offline media such as the the yellow pages. So I suppose the main aims for the competition is that you know businesses do get interested in, in the online environment. Two, they understand that, hey, they can actually be ranking higher for a keyword phrase that, that's relevant to their business. And three, they get to know who the best in the business are. And you know, obviously the, the main prize is a $3,000 media training and PR campaign, um, which is provided by Swaytech. And obviously um, that, that mobile marketing pack by Texas as well. So there's a call to action there for any businesses that are, that are interested in the, in the service. Well, you've got some attractive prizes up for grabs, which I'm sure will interest a lot of people. Now, as you know, there are some SEO techniques that aren't always considered uh, above board, if you get what I mean. So in your competition, is, is any technique fair game or do you have standards in terms of you know what techniques are acceptable and which ones aren't? So we're trying to promote only ethical techniques. Obviously, white and grey are fine. I think the tendency for this competition is to basically just do black hat techniques. Obviously, they're a lot easier um, and they actually can provide pretty sufficient results. So we are leaving it open that we'll analyse the backlinks to any site. So if there are you know purely dodgy stuff, then we'll actually have to take a look at that and, and potentially rule them out. So we're hoping that the winner does it legitimately. Now, can you tell us a bit about how the competition is going to be conducted and how people can enter? So to break down the competition, basically there's a text registration component at the moment. So all domains must be new. Um, they must be .co.nz's. So basically they, they have to be registered after the 19th of August and then registered with us. So we'll then text out the, the keyword phrase on the 31st of August to all competitors that are pre-registered. But otherwise, there'll be late registrations up to up until the, the 1st of November as well. So if there are SEOs that haven't heard about the competition but do want to get involved, then, then they can, obviously. Um, as long as they have that domain that's registered after the 19th of August, they can just optimise the site for that. And then at any time before the 1st of November, they can um, just let us know that they are actually participating in the competition. Because... You know, if there's any unidentified domains that are in the SERPs, then we can't um, sort of factor them in to be a winner. Okay, and when do you run the test to see how each site ranks? So the deadline's on the 28th of November at, at 5 o'clock, and there may be a variation between PCs. So we've made the, the official search will be, you know, it's it's on google.co.nz um, with a cleared case and also cleared history and not logged into Google as well. So 
we'll go through that process and and do that that formal search on the 5pm deadline to, to find out who actually won the competition. Great, good luck with it and thank you very much Adam for having a chat to us on that and the URL if you're interested in finding out more is seochallenge.co.nz Now Brett, are you going to be entering the competition? No, no, I, I was actually going to ask you the same question. Oh, uh, no, no, I don't think I will. I, <laughs> I, I do. Would we even be eligible for entry? Um, he did mention it's um, for SEO companies. Well, I guess that's who would be in particular, you know, particularly interested because that'd be great kudos for them if they get to win it. But surely it's <laughs> open to anyone. I don't know. I, well, I, possibly. <laughs> it doesn't take much for us to start up our own Boys of Tech Search Engine Optimization <laughs> Inc. Well, the reason I thought this was an interesting competition is because SEO, search engine optimization, is often associated with spam and dodgy companies that say they'll do it and they don't do anything. And it taints the the legitimate companies that do this and do a good job of it. So I think it'd be really good to run this competition and we'll get to see uh, which are the SEO companies that actually do well in this because yeah. that will sort them out from the, you know, I mean, you've probably seen spam. You've probably, in fact... Brett, I just received one yesterday, I think it was, a message saying, hey, we'll increase the the rankings of your site on Google. And of course, you know, it's a spam, you ignore it. Yep. But, you know, it'd be nice to, to actually sort out the, the legitimate lot, if you like, from, from you know, and, and actually show people that, you know, there there are legitimate companies doing legitimate search engine optimization. Yeah, yeah. And it's a big kudos in the New Zealand industry for whoever wins this. Definitely. And as you said, that's a pretty a good, pretty good prize. Yeah, maybe yeah. we should go in for it. Maybe we should. We just need to invent another oh, five or so hours for every day to find the time to do it. Yeah, yeah, that's the problem, isn't it? Time. And actually, speaking of which, we're out of that. That's uh, time for us to go. That's uh, the end of the episode. End of episode eighty of the Boys of Tech. Brett, it's been a very short episode, but short and sweet, and a lot of fun. So thank you very mm-hmm. much for co-hosting it with me. Always a pleasure, Edwin. Thank you, everyone. See you all again next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.